Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian. This week, I'm joined here by Dwayne. Yo, Seb. What's going on, man? What's up? You know, not much. Um, you know, just going on that championship ring. People can't see it. Conference champion, baby. You just you just wear that? It was in my best drawer. Oh, okay. Um, last time, 2015, almost 10 years ago. No, in old, wasn't, wasn't young. <laughs> um, last diamonds game tonight, the grand finale, yeah. Um, after what was a rough weekend, um, against uh, against Baltimore Blast. Um, you know, I was thinking about this, uh, the other day, you know. Ultimately, the goal for us and the and the diamonds is yes, we want to win games and, and everything else. But but ultimately, the goal is to just expose players to playing time. And and I feel like we have a core group of players that have gotten a ton of playing time over the summer. Um, which is which is ultimately the goal, and they're hopefully going in in the preseason in a couple of weeks for colleges, um, as ready as they can be. And I think for our younger players that we've had on the season, the team, I think it's I think this year more than any other year, um, we've been able to establish a sense of confidence with them. And I think the team around them has established a, a sense of confidence around them um, that hopefully um, translates into um, into them, you know, wanting to continue to push the envelope for themselves and. And starting to believe that that everything that they're doing is is important and it's good and it's worth it and that they're at the end of it they they can do it um so when they go into their club season or high school or whatever it is that they're they're ready to go yeah i mean i think it's you know they have these high school summer leagues right but i think this you know it's just a step higher where you're playing against players from a lot of different schools a lot of different divisions um playing at a high level so i mean i think Big key word is fitness, right? Yeah. You want to go do that workout packet, run three miles a day in the blazing hot sun, or would you rather be working on your fitness, playing soccer, working on those all those little details while also playing against players that maybe play in the same division as you, same conference as you, or you know maybe you're a you know a division two player playing in a midfield with division one players, or maybe you're a division three center back playing against forwards or a forward that plays at a division one level and you know hey those forwards may be better than any player in your conference but if you do your job you get a shutout and you play do your thing hey you're gonna be that much better if you can be unconsciously competent there you go that's the that's a word it's a two words right there um yeah uh so we'll, we close out the season against against copper mine tonight um hopefully kind of get in the the series win there um so and then and then we we go back and figure out what next year right figure out what's next we return back to our clubs uh who returns back to their clubs i return back to my club oh i i don't know if i do i have a club you do you're on the website i i yeah i do have a club but i'm not coaching club so i i return to high school soccer so which I'm excited. I'm excited about though. Like it's you got to experience it a little bit yesterday and you were you you caught that bug. 
Caught that bug for about five minutes, man. It was nice, though. You, you liked it. Put me down as a volunteer assistant. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> we don't have to show up anything. I don't always have to show up. But when I do, you get good coaching. <laughs> I'm going to have three schools that have me done as a volunteer assistant. No, 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 no. I don't want that. I'm not trying to get a third of you. Not, no, I don't want to do that. If I if if you're if you're coming on with us, you're coming on as as the only school. <clears throat> it's the only school. Yeah. Must be I'm getting compensated very well. <laughs> you, you want me to show you my number? <clears throat> yeah, you, you should slide that paper across the across the internet. <laughs> oh, let me I gotta uncrumble it real quick. <laughs> Oh man, that's it for the entire season. That's it. I got you. Oh, uh, that's that's a session per session. Per session. Oh man, you're you're an expensive coach, man. I if I can afford all that. Uh, <laughs> I know that a lot of people can afford that. No, probably not. Not per session. No, you'd definitely be rocking some Jordans at games if I, that's what I paid. Oh, session. If that's um, what I got paid per session, man, I'd be a fly coach. Yeah, you. Yeah, you would look good. Yeah. Really, yeah. Um. So yeah, so so exciting game. Um and then the women's world cup starts uh starts next week. We won't get to finish our world cup draw just because we we have an interview today that uh yeah, you're right. Uh we have a, we have an interview today that um that is going to that's really, really cool. Um I think it's perfect leading up to the women's world cup. Um we get to interview one of one of the former players that I got. I have the I had the pleasure of coaching when I was in Nova. Um, and, and I should have mentioned this to you. I should have, I should have said this to her during an interview. Um, but probably one of the better, like technically gifted players that, that I had the ability to coach and, and watch and watch develop, um, from her, the two years that I, that I got to spend with her. Uh, so yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll go into that now. Uh, Dwayne, um, so we've talked a lot about my my past in Florida and and coaching and how I started coaching, uh, how basically I started coaching. My coaching career began as a as a volunteer assistant coach at Nova Southeastern, where I was going to school at the same time. Um, and one of the cool things about going to Nova was that uh, I got to meet a lot of really really uh, cool people, um, but I also got to be a part of a of a team that I think um, was unlike any other D2 team that I've seen since uh, mm-hmm. from a talent perspective and just from a personality perspective. And just, I think the way I was able to connect with the players was, was really special. And one of the players that I was, I had a, had a really good connection with and has gone on to do some amazing things since, uh, since being in Davie, Florida mm-hmm. and originally from Florida as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Sierra Lily's on the podcast today. What's up, C? Hi. How you doing? I'm so excited. <laughs> so so Sierra, you're not in Florida right now. I am not. I am sitting in Iceland, in Copenhagen, Iceland is where I live. Uh, and I have been living here for the past six years. I came here in March of 2017. There you go, Duane. Oh, no, mm-hmm. Duane disappeared. Oh, man. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, let's but let's talk about Iceland. So, how do you go from how do you go from Davie, Florida, 
<laughs> to to Iceland. It's actually really funny because when I Icelandic people ask me where I'm from, I'm like Florida, and their face is just like, "What are you doing here? Like, why are you in Iceland?" <laughs> A lot of Icelandic people have vacation homes in Florida and Kissimmee and like they always go to Orlando. It's just like all the Icelandic people love Florida. And I think the biggest change for me was the amount of daylight that Iceland gets. So like in the winter, I think it starts in October. I think it starts in October. I've been here for six years, but I'm always surprised by it. <laughs> starts in October and then it just like slowly just goes all the way just to four hours of daylight. And then like now in the summertime, it's up to 24 hours of daylight. Wow. So the sun just doesn't set. And it's like I'm sleeping with eye mass and blackout curtains and things to to go to sleep. And my kids also are just like, I'm like, yeah, okay, it's time to go to sleep. And they're like, no, it's not. Like yeah. it's it's daylight outside. <laughs> so I we, think that's uh, definitely the hardest. We we are slightly surprised in Delaware, at least when because so for us, uh, sunset is about eight thirty, eight forty five right now at this time of the year, and that's always hard to get the kids to sleep. But I couldn't yeah. imagine waking up and it's sunny, going to sleep and it's sunny, and going to sleep at midnight. And it's yeah. sunny outside. It almost, <laughs> I mean, from a soccer perspective, honestly, it would feel like I could train at any time of the day. Yeah, that was really cool because my sister, my stepsister, she came here last summer. She's like, oh, I can't sleep. And I'm like, okay, let's just go to the field. And it was 1030 at night and we're just like broad daylight, just juggling and shooting and training. <laughs> <laughs> it's really awesome. Um, so so how do you end up? How do you go from how do you go from Florida to, to Iceland? Let's let's talk about let's talk about. Yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll, we'll go back to Nova in a little bit. But how do you go from Nova? to and how do you end up in iceland and you had a you had a couple pit stops along the way yeah uh so after nova i went to an open tryout with the orlando pride and uh, i think it was just the first day the assistant coach kano he came up to me and was just like we like you um we're gonna invite you to preseason i was like okay so i got an email not long after just with all the information and then after a week of preseason, uh, I went into a meeting with them and they were like, we want to keep you. Um, yeah, so then I was there for, I think it was six months, I want to say. Like all of preseason and then the first half of the season. And in that time period, I was working on getting my uh, Italian passport so I could uh, just go play abroad. That was like the main goal for me I was like I really want to just go play abroad mm -hmm. and then the I was also working with an agent he was Italian and then the window the transfer window had opened and I received an email from a Swedish team just um like hi we saw your highlight video we have your CV and we're really interested and we want to invite you to come but it went to my junk email unfortunately <laughs> no. and uh, I replied too late and he he replied back to me and was like hi you replied too late uh, we had already we have already signed an attacking player but i have sent like everything i forward everything to another coach and then just probably one day later i got an email from this swedish team as well and then um yeah and i was just like at that point i was just like 
I just, I'm just going to say yes to anything that comes my way. Like, why not? So I just said yes. And we were four Americans that were on this team playing together. And we just finished the second half of the season, which was, yeah, just after the transfer window until I think it was October, September, something around that time. Uh, and then I went straight to Germany on, because then I had also worked with another agent, a German agent my friend from club was working with and she was playing in Germany and he was like uh, this club called Duisburg in Germany they were in the second tier in Germany at the time they really need an attacking player uh, can you come on trial and I was like yeah so I went to I flew there straight from Sweden for five days and I was on trial with them and oh we lost Sierra And all right, technical difficulties. All right, so you're in Germany. <laughs> yeah, so I was in Germany for five days, and um, then I got in text from uh, the agent, and he was like, "Good news, they really want to sign you." And I was like, "Okay, great." So then the plan was like to go home, get everything, come back, work on a visa because it like takes quite a while, and then um. And then I would just go back right away to play the second half of the season. But then a few, I think it was two weeks later, uh, he called me and he was like, they just don't have money. Like, it's not the contract we were looking at and what we were like trying to push for. They just, they don't have the money for you. And um, yeah, that was basically it. And then like not long after the head coach ended up quitting and going to play for the men's team. Like, nay, coach the men's team in oh, no. another club. Yeah. So I think there was just, like, something going on. Yeah. And I felt it, too, when I was there, like, with the girls. Did it I was feel just right? like, yeah, there was just, like, there's something weird. Like, everybody was so tense. And I was just like, okay, maybe it's just best. Like, maybe it's okay. And then um, in Iceland, I ended up here because Dilio. Do you remember okay. her? Yeah, I remember yeah. Yeah. I had messaged her and we were just like talking and she was following basically everything that I was doing in soccer. And I was just like, yeah, I see you're playing again. Do you know of any teams in Iceland that need a forward or an attacking player? And she was like, yeah, my team. And I was like, wait, what? Okay. And then just like two days later, I signed. And a month later, I was in Iceland. And it was kind of funny because I had only signed a six month contract to be here. Cause that's how long the season is. Yeah. And then like my whole life just ended up being here. <laughs> I haven't gone home. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah. That's uh that's, that's really, so what is it like to, uh, to be a professional player in Iceland? Um, I mean, it's definitely a lot different now than it was before. Ago? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like, and also just because of like the way that my life is now. So like before I was just a foreigner where all I had to think about was playing. Yeah. And yeah, like my, they give you a house, they give you a car and like, um, obviously like you're paid monthly and then you get like bonuses and things like that. And all I had to focus on was playing soccer. And I had an American roommate. She also was um, playing with us. And I had another roommate who was from England, but she um, went home at the transfer window. She just stopped playing completely. 
Uh, but now my life is definitely a lot different because um, I work 100% now. And I have a family, I have two kids and a house and a boyfriend and like a career and other things. And I'm also a master's student. So it's like my schedule and free time is just pretty much booked. <laughs> <laughs> so I think now it's just, it's just a lot different, but that, I think that's the thing that I like so much about like when you come abroad, is that like, like for local players, I guess you can still have a life outside of soccer and still play. And I think I play at like a really high level and still compete for a champions league and still like be with players who are on national teams and things like that. So like, I think that's what I love the most about the, what do I say? I guess the cultural, like the, the Icelandic culture around football, like soccer. Yeah. So, so is there a mixture between players that are just full-time players that their their main focus is still just just playing and then you have the players that are balancing uh a career, family and also playing all at the same time? There's there's a mixture of that. Yeah, I mean pretty much if I look at my whole team, the only ones that are just playing are our internationals, which is two Americans and one Canadian. All the other ones are working or are in school or uh, our goalkeeper is also like me. She's a teacher working, has two kids. And she was recently called up to the national team just wow. last year. So like, yeah, it's just, it's really different. So and how do you, I, go ahead. Yeah. So how do you balance so what's that transition like from from going to full-time playing to all of a sudden now now you're you're having kids and going back and playing and did you play did you go back and play in between the two your two kids? Yeah, so my first year I played and then um I had gotten pregnant in October and then um I took a break I think I came back playing when my son was six months or something. Then I started training again. And then I played a full season. And then after that season, uh, I had basically said like, okay, I'm, I'm going to just stop. Like I, I don't really want to play that much anymore. I want to just focus on getting a master's degree and like just focusing on my family and then i was playing in like a lower league just for fun just whenever i can don't have to go to trainings can just show up at games and just it didn't really matter and so i was just kind of doing that for fun for one year and then um yeah then i got pregnant again and had my daughter and i didn't play any serious um league after that i was also i was still doing the same just playing in a lower league going to games for fun but then a coach had messaged me in the transfer window and was just like, hey, my my friend, my friend told me uh, that you would probably be interested in playing. And I was just like, yeah, sure, why not? And before that, I didn't touch a soccer ball for a whole year. Like I didn't do anything <laughs> for a whole year. And I was like, all right, I got to go to some trainings before. <laughs> 
So I just started training for a little bit. And then uh, I started, I think I played in only six games because it was the second half of the yeah. season. And it was then, which was last summer, like in this time period where I was like, I'm going to play again. Like it sparked into me again. And I, I was just like, I didn't tell anybody besides my family here and my family back home and my boyfriend's family. <laughs> Cause I didn't want anybody to be like, Oh, you can't do that. Like you're working, you have yeah. a family and this and that. And I was just like, I don't want anybody telling me that I can't do it. Cause I'm going to do it. And then, um, I messaged the coach who I came to Iceland with. Uh, they play on the top division and they've been in the top division for like, I think it's been five seasons now. And I was just like, hey, can I come try a training? <laughs> He's like, sure. And I like did so well. And then that also sparked it more. I was like, okay, I'm I'm definitely doing this, like for sure. And then I just kept continuing to play with them and train with them throughout the winter and then I signed in January or February and then I've just been playing ever since um and not only that you recently scored a goal like as of like last week <laughs> yeah <clears throat> yeah so far um I mean I'm like there's some games that I start some games that I don't I'm pretty like switching positions as a left winger or a forward or we play a diamond in the midfield so I'm often like it's very tactical type yeah. of play. So it depends on who we're playing and where I would fit best. But uh, I've had an assist and two goals so far. And I've played, I think we played nine games so far. So it's been like really fun That's <laughs> just awesome. to come back. Well, yeah. and what is the what is the training environment like at, at that level? Playing the first division, you've, you mentioned it before. And that was something I wanted to talk about. Like you're, you're playing in a league that that qualifies you for the Champions League, and you know at that point you're now you're traveling internationally. If you make the Champions League, you're you're playing. Um, depending on the draw, you're you're playing in all over Europe, or you're you know you're playing. You could be, be potentially playing some of the you know top teams in the in Europe. Yeah. So uh, what is that? What what is the training environment like? I think you know. A lot of the girls have known each other for a really long time. So it is a really close group. But it's just you're held accountable for it doesn't matter if you're friends or not. Like you're held accountable for your mistakes. And it's sometimes it's so high intense that people are just walking off at the end of the end of their training and don't want to talk because they're like, I lost in my small sided game today and it's not okay. Like it's just very intense and um it's definitely a lot more technical and tactical just yeah it's, i would just say it's just high intense in my opinion i think it's high intense now you guys training every day um we're in season now yeah so we get like maybe one or two days off just depending on where the games are yeah but in the off season it was five times a week plus gym three wow. times so it was a lot yeah yeah, I can imagine, especially again, you're trying to, you're, you're in school, you're teaching school and you have two <laughs> kids in a family, right? Uh, so what yeah. is that? Did, does it almost feel like you're, you're working like two full-time jobs on top of, on top of, you know, being a mother and, and a partner and things like that? Like, does it feel like it's two full-time jobs at the same time? 
A hundred percent. Like, it's actually like, okay, a day in my life, maybe not now because we, well, yeah, because we're in season. I would be waking up at 6.30 because I would miss fitness days on Tuesdays because there, that was the one day that my son had football training. And I was like, I'm not going to be that mom that doesn't go to his trainings. <laughs> I'm going to everything. So I just told my coach, like, I have to miss this day, but I'll do the running. So I would wake up at 6.30 or 6, go run by myself, then go to work. Then I would uh, just come home, be a mom, go to his football trainings, and then um, put them to sleep. And then it's like, oh, I can finally sit down and chill for five minutes. No, you have to study. <laughs> just study. <laughs> and then go to sleep at like 10 <laughs> or 11 or 12, just depending on it. But if it was a day where I was not uh, running the fitness in the morning, then I was just basically the same. Going to work at eight, coming home, uh, being a mom with them, going to training, coming home, being a mom again. And then when they're asleep, because I don't want to miss time from them, then I, then that's when I would study and just finish school. And like a lot of people around me were just like, how are you doing it? And then I, for a second, I was just like, I feel like Nova prepared me for this life yeah. because it's like you do the same thing when you're in college. You wake up and go to weights at six, you go to training, you go to school. I mean, of course it's different. You don't have a family and kids yeah. to think about, but I feel like the motivation and workload, it just was just like, Oh yeah. Okay. Here it is. Here it is again. It's just like, I did this for four and a half years. Why not do it again? Yeah. So it's really not a big deal. Well, especially Nova, I mean, obviously there's there's a lot of schools at the D2 level that are the same, but I think Nova Nova's uh what was what was pretty interesting about Nova is that the class sizes were relatively small in general, so that, yeah. that kind of forced you to be super accountable in everything that you did. And it was mm-hmm. such a small campus that everybody knew everybody. Yeah. Uh, um so so you're and it was just academically a rigorous school right so you you have to mm-hmm. be able to perform academically and also athletically yeah. uh, and it was just super structured um what is it like now to be able to to have your kids be able to watch you play like what's that what does that feel like it's like literally the best feeling in the world like Right after the games, they just run on the field to me and my son is five and my daughter's three and my daughter doesn't really understand what's going on. She's more yeah. just like, mama, soccer. Yeah. <laughs> but my son is just like, did you score? Did you win? Like, he's so excited and he's starting to play soccer now too. So I just feel like it's just a good role model for him to look up to and just be like, my mom's doing that too. Like, good. I think it's so yeah, it's just I love it. Um, what is the transition like between you mentioned the the kind of the the structure of it, but what's the transition like between playing college to to them being a professional player? Um, what's the what are the differences or like or what are the similarities? It's actually it's kind of funny. We were talking about this the other day about playing college and um about playing college soccer because uh, I have two Americans on my team and when we're warming up we like don't cut corners or anything in our training but all of the European players or internationals are just like 
jogging. We're all just looking at them like, are you crazy? Like, what do you think you're doing? <laughs> you cannot cut corners. It's not allowed. <laughs> it's just like, I think like the, like in the US, they cared so much about um, you being physically in shape and being super strong. And like, of course, it's the same here for sure. But they care more about you as a soccer player. Like, are you technically at this level? Like, are you actually, when you're sending a pass, are you actually sending it to the right foot that the person needs? Like, are you in the aware of the space that's around you? Like, I think that's just the difference was that coming into uh, abroad, it was more of like just a different style of play. And like, also, you could hear some of my um, teammates who are Icelandic. They're just like, you don't run that much in football. Like, why Why do these players train, like, and run this much when you don't do that much in football? But then American, us, yeah. we're just like, run, run, run. Like, I think that's the biggest difference that I've noticed so far. That was, and actually, Duane and I were just talking about this this week, about the difference. In, and there was a video that, that's going around Instagram right now. Um, it's basically uh, it's it's the difference between a U eight U eight a triad in the United States and a U eight triad in Europe, and uh, and it's this coach going like, "All right, we're gonna run. Um, uh, all I care about is how fast you are and how long you can run. So we're gonna yeah. run ten <laughs> miles, and then we're gonna do a thousand push ups. And if you do all that, you made the team. And then the the European coaches." It's like we're we know we're gonna play small sided. We're gonna do some how see how your touches are, and then we're just gonna move to seven v seven. That's all we need to. Um, and that's I think that's <laughs> that's super interesting though because yeah, I think you know, and do you think that's one of the reasons why? Um, and you got to you know you in that Orlando Pride team, you got to you got to be teammates with Alex Morgan, for example, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. do you think that that's where? Because I've been seeing it lately, and 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 maybe we'll see it more in the World Cup that's starting next week. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think the rest of the world is catching up now to the U.S. and the U.S. has been able to be so successful because of, to a certain extent, the infrastructure that the U.S. had and the research yeah. that were put into women's soccer? Now the rest of the world is somewhat catching up from that standpoint. But what you're starting to mm-hmm. see is the difference in technical ability between like countries like uh like spain for example who are just so good at the women's side and they're so technical yeah and or, or japan right who's 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 still yeah. really good so do you think or for example zambia who beat germany a week ago in the mm-hmm. in their last game um mm-hmm. do you think do you think the rest of the world is catching up and do you think that's what the u.s is missing now or is that the is that the next thing that you think U.S. players are going to need is that technical component that the rest of the world has? I mean, honestly, I think our U.S. team is sucked right now. But in terms of, you know, the question, like, for for sure, you see in uh, in Italy, they are now officially making that top division women's actually professional, which it wasn't like that before. And Germany, like, it's growing. The Germans, that was probably the most intense training sessions that I have ever been in when I was in that five-day trial with them. Like, just, it was so fast. I didn't even have time to blink. It was like the ball's coming to me, and I had to do something immediately. Like, it was just 
one touch, like, I don't know. I just felt like the Germans are like, there's something in the water there. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I definitely think, you know, the rest of the world is growing, like, for sure. And they're starting to realize how important women's soccer is. And they're starting to invest a lot more, like, all around the world. And I definitely see it, like I said, in Italy and in Germany firsthand. And I say Italy because I um, have been like in contact with an Italian um, agent for a few years. And he just has been telling me everything that's been changing and going on um, and how they're growing like the Italian women's yeah. league. And I think this World Cup is going to be really, really fun to watch. Yeah, especially, with, sure. especially with 32 teams. And now mm-hmm. I think the playing field is is leveled out a lot. And it'll be it'll be really fun to watch because I think that's the I don't know that I don't know that we're gonna have as many of those you know eleven nothing games that we would see yeah. up as much definitely um, which is good that means that, sure. that means that everyone's everyone's getting a more on a more equal playing field which that means that the women's game is getting the respect that it, that it deserves across the world um, definitely. Along along that, what are some of the pressures um, from a mental standpoint that you feel like you've had along your career? Um, you know, going from high school to to the recruitment process to get into to playing college soccer, and then going from that into the professional aspect of it. Like, what are some of the pressures that you think you've had, and what are some of the things that, um, from a mental health perspective, which I think is is a topic that. Um, I know that we didn't talk about it necessarily. We we talked about it indirectly, like we like yeah. because it was you know we did things because they were the right thing to do, but we didn't specifically talk about the mental health aspect of it. Um, but now it's a big topic of conversation around the sport. So, what are some mm-hmm. pressures that you think you've you've gone through in your career? I felt like when I was coming from club to college, that was such a like that was quite a hard time because. I played for the Clearwater Chargers, and at the time, we were really good. And all of the girls on my team went to go play Division One, And the parents were, like, so confused. They're just like, I don't understand. Like, why are you going to a Division Two school? Like, I don't understand. And I was just like, well, why not? Like, not all Division One schools are that great. Like, I know of Division Two schools, so I can beat Division One schools. Like, I just felt like there was so much talk about what school you're going to and I could put so much worth on what school you were committing to. And I was just like so much that started so early. I remember I was like 14 or 15 and then I'm receiving like these long lists of colleges that had come to watch our tournament. And I'm just like, okay, that's great. But now I'm just like, why can't I just play? Like, I just want to enjoy instead of thinking about what college I'm going to be committed to when I'm, going to school when I'm 18 like I know you have to think and plan ahead of course but I'm just I just felt like there was so much there was so much like then every every free weekend my dad's like all right let's go we're gonna go uh, to um, North Florida then because we're in that area in Jacksonville let's go to the school because we're in that area at this time like just to and he would be like emailing the coaches back and forth, like, hey, we're coming for an official visit at this time, like just every weekend. And then I had 
verbally committed to two schools, which were Division One schools. And then I just, it was Jacksonville State in um, Alabama, and then another in Jacksonville, which two of my friends on my team were going to. But then they both backed out. And so I was like, I'm not going there. I want to go with my friends. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, yeah. And then I just ended up going to Nova. Like the second I stepped foot on Nova's campus, I was like, I'm, I'm going here. Like it's, it's such a beautiful school. And I really liked Mike and just, yeah. I mean, you step foot on that campus and it's just like, my dad always called it a resort. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I, I, like I had exactly that same feeling when I was transferring from Broward College to and trying to figure out where I was going to go. And the moment I stepped foot on the like the little tour bus or whatever we did, and I was like, "All right, this is it!" Like, you know, the soccer field right next to one of the dorms, across the street from the university center, like everything was just right there, and it just so felt so. It, it and it, and I know that there's been a ton of changes in the campus recently, but. But in yeah. general, like at least at that time, um, almost ten years ago now. Um, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, well, actually, over ten years ago now. But um, um, I, you know, you look at it and you're like, yeah, this is this is like it was the perfect size campus, uh, yeah. and it was it was just a really good environment to to be in. Like the training facilities, the gym, the athletic training, the locker rooms, like everything for rehabilitation if you needed it like especially because i went through a hip surgery and i had a broken wrist like just the whole medical staff was amazing there just yeah i'm really glad i have absolutely no regrets of going to that you also had one of the best athletic trainers in the business yeah for <laughs> sure <laughs> yeah. in general right like that's true uh, yeah 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 <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think that would be the pressure for, from like high school to club. And then after club, it was kind of just like, okay, you, you were so good in college. Like, I mean, yeah, sorry. My last, um, college season was like so good. And it's like, are you just going to quit now? Like what now? I remember getting asked that so much. What now? What now? And I'm just like, I'm working on it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would be like the biggest Pressure is that after something, after you do something, it's like, okay, that's great, but can you do it again? Or, okay, that's great, but what now? It's just like, you can never just like be in that, like in that moment because everybody's always wondering like, okay, but what about in six months? Or what about in three months? Or can she keep doing it? I feel like that's always the type of pressure. Do you feel like you, like, do you feel like the support system is there to, to transition players? So you were you were SSC um, player of the year in 2015 in your senior year. So yeah. like, at that point, right, like everyone's eyes are on you. Like the Sunshine State Conference is one of the most competitive D2 conferences in the entire country in general for sports, right? But, but specifically for women's soccer, um, mm-hmm. like every team at that level is, is good. Like the, yeah. you know, it, it's every game is competitive. Um, so you you become the best player in the conference, and then do you feel like the support system is there to to go, unless you have completely decided in your mind that you already know, and you have a lot of a lot of your teammates went on to become doctors or things like that because that's what they mm-hmm. had originally. Like I was, I'm just honestly su- like not surprised, but it's very interesting that 
the, the majority of the players from your class ended up becoming like doctors. Like there's just yeah, that's like, true. It's, it's a lot of them that are all like doctors. They're all like nurses, nurses or doctors and doctors and physical yeah. therapy and all that. <laughs> um, but but in general, like, do you feel like you know the 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 support systems there to establish the idea of like if you don't really want to go out into the the quote-unquote professional world of like a career necessarily and you want to make soccer a career like is that support system there or is it you know basically do you have the ability to you individually figure it out i mean i 100 had to figure it out by myself like i had no idea what to do after because i know i wanted to keep going i just had no idea how to do it and like i didn't know what to do and then um I had talked to one of my teammates from club who she ended up going to UNC and was the goalkeeper there. She was so good. And then she ended up going to Germany. And like, that was one teammate that I ended up staying in touch with and just asking her, like, what do I do? Like, how do I do it? And then when I ended up getting in touch with um, this agent, this Italian agent, he's just like really well known. Uh, throughout the world and in the soccer world and everything then it kind of just started opening up doors and after I went abroad to Sweden too that's when I was like and then I understood everything like I understood all the contacts I understood like how everything works and like I just needed to like get my foot in the door but I didn't know how and so I feel like if somebody who like really wants to go abroad and play abroad and it was like me and just had no idea. You just have to ask. And like, that's just the biggest thing is don't be afraid to ask. And like, you're not going to look stupid if you have no idea. Like yeah. people want to help you. Like everybody wanted to help me when I started asking. And then I ended up helping a few of, um, I forget her name. I can't remember her name now. Nikki. I think that was her name. She played at Rollins and she was like from Boca. Okay. And I ended up helping her like get to my old Swedish team because okay. she didn't know what to do. So it's yeah. like, and she just asked. I was like, this is like the biggest thing for people. Just, just ask. Yeah. Um, it, what about, uh, do you think the support system is there now, at least in Iceland, like the, for that transition? between um playing in motherhood and then like playing and becoming a mother while you're in that in the uh while you're in that process of becoming a mother like is that is that system there is there like the ability to to take some time off and then come back easily within a within a team or stuff like that like do you think that that's that's there was it already established or has it gotten better throughout throughout your your time there I mean, there are a few mothers playing in the league, top league now. Yeah. I would say there's at least one or two on every team. And it's just normal because when I came here, there was also uh, a few girls in the league that were playing and were mothers. And I remember asking, like, how do you, how, how is it possible? How do you do that? And it was just normal for that. Like, it was just a thing like, yeah, I just, I have my kids and I play. That's normal. And so when I became a mom, it was probably just 
yeah, it was just normal. Like the, the coach was just like, if you need extra time, you tell me. If you don't feel well, you just tell me. If you need to be home with your kids, just tell me. And I still do that now. Like the other day I was like, I really need to be home uh, this day. And he was like, yeah, just take the day. Like, okay, <laughs> thank you. I think they're really understanding and they understand that you're a mom first and then come soccer. I have really, you know, I have really felt support since I've become a mother and, and playing at the same time, for sure. That's huge. I think that's, that's ultimately, you know, that's, that's the hopeful that we, we, we strive for, for, for anything. Right. Like, and I think that's from mm-hmm. a professional standpoint, whether it's soccer or any other sport or any other profession, right? Like you want to feel that support. Um, Cause you don't want to feel like, you're doing something wrong for having kids. And I think that's, the, I think that's the biggest thing. Right. Um, I think Mm -hmm. once we put it in that perspective, right. Like there's nothing wrong with having kids, you know, there's, um, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to take care of your kids. I think that's the other part. Like you you can't be, I think there's that level of guilt potentially that, that goes around with people of like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to put your family first and that's a bad thing. Like, no, it's, it's, like that is what it's important. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly but what I know. I know there was a, there's an Icelandic girl here who was playing abroad in France. And when she got pregnant, they just stopped paying her. It's like a really, it was a really big deal. And she just like ended up quitting. And yeah, it was just, it was really bad. And they were just like, you're pregnant. You're not like worthless. Like you can't do anything to this team anymore. It was all over like the media and she spoke out about it on her Instagram. Her name is Sarah Björk, if you want to like yeah. look it up. But yeah, she's Icelandic and it was a really big deal. So like I know the support that I'm getting here is not the same in other countries abroad in the EU or not in the EU. That's a that's a shame that that, that yeah. happens to, to players and um and it's 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 interesting because I think the best thing to do is to to speak out about it, right? Like and and talk about it and have the conversation and um because I feel like it's again, if we want the game to grow, um mm-hmm. it's the only way we're gonna be able to do it, right? Exactly. Um, what advice because now you're and it's 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 very it's surreal to me when when I when I keep up with with anybody that graduated from Nova that I that had the ability to like kind of be around those two years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you you have you have Jen, who's a, an athletic trainer for Inter Miami. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you got you have you have doctors around. You're playing professional soccer. Maylin up to a couple years ago was mm-hmm. playing the Sweden futsal national team. Like all those little mm-hmm. things, and it's it's super interesting. But now you're getting to the point where, and I, I it's like it almost hit me recently that like your entire group is now getting to. 30 or over 30 years old so so now all of you are no longer like the younger players you're now the more experienced players especially if you're playing so what advice do you have to anybody that's younger that's either listening to the podcast or what advice have you have you been able to give to some of the younger players that you're around in general from a you know life balance perspective to to balance everything in that transition um from you know making soccer your number one priority to then having other priorities in your life. Um, and just in general, like the ability to, to withstand a career, right. Which is not easy to do. Yeah. 
That's really hard. I think if we're going to talk about like mental health as well, because I'm taking on this huge workload and like my teammates now all say the same with me. Like, how are you? How do you do it? Like, I don't understand how you do it. And I'm just like, I'm not going to tell you it's easy because it's definitely 100% not easy. And there have been times in the middle of training because we train at night, say like 6.30, yeah, 5 to 6.30 or something like that. And I'm just so mentally, like physically I'm still there, but mentally I'm just like shut off and I would just like start crying in the middle of training. I'm just like, I'm just so tired. And then I just had to like let it out. And then after like, 10 minutes I'm like, yeah all right I'm good I just had to cry it outside <laughs> but it's like I can take this workload on because I know myself and I know that I can do it but like I just hope that if others are like watching it or listening or seeing me from the outside like wow she can just do it all no problem and it's just like I've worked really hard internally to figure out what I can and can't do and I know when I have a line like I've, when I've had enough and then when I need to take a break, when it's just like, okay, I, I got to take off from work today or else I'm going to crash. So it's just like, if you really figure it out, like know yourself and know what you can and can't do. And don't be afraid to just be like, I need a break or just be vocal and be positive and just, you know, open with everything. Just, you know, I really enjoy doing this right now, but I'm kind of tired and I hope that you can like respect that I just need to take a break and then feel like everybody around you is just like, yeah, okay, it's no problem. So I feel like if there's advice for somebody who's looking, like if my teammates are like looking up to me, you know, like I want to, I want to be able to do that. Then it's just be able to know when you can like take a break. Yeah. I think that's the type of advice I would say for that because I've worked really hard on figuring myself out. It's taken a while because I'm 30. <laughs> Well, because I I remember eighteen year old version of you uh, struggled a little bit with that at times. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's okay. Like you're supposed yeah. to struggle through it. You're supposed to crash because if you don't crash, how are you supposed to know what what you can and can't do? Yeah. Well, and this, well, and it's interesting because this is a game that, um, and it's I think that's the most at times potentially like the heartbreaking thing as a coach is when you when you watch players that you're like oh my god they're so good or or this and that and all of a sudden like i remember uh you had a teammate uh at nova uh what was it um mo right yeah mo yeah fantastic as a freshman and then, so- and then sophomore year decides to transfer to ucf or something like that and to stop playing yeah. soccer altogether mm-hmm. and you're like wait a minute like you like pretty much played the majority of the time as a freshman coming in and you, you were really good and, and you, and then as a coach, the struggle, I think the struggle as a coach is you, you start asking yourself like, what did I do wrong? Right? Like what, what did I do? What was, what did I like create in the environment that made you not want to play anymore and things like that. And I think, I think part of it is accepting the fact that, that players have their limits. And at some point a player decides that they've had enough. And I think it's Mm -hmm. also realizing that it's probably if it's, if this is what caused it, this isn't where it started. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I think I think we need to do a better job from a foundational perspective and a youth perspective to stop taking the pressure away from wins and losses. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like 
that's where it manifests itself later on, where now it feels like it matters, right? It's make or break, right? It's it's if you don't play enough, then your scholarship might get taken away or this and that, or if yeah. you lose, then the coach or whatever. Like all these things start happening, um, which I think are really, really tough, but it's got to start somewhere. Yeah, for sure. Right. And I think the more we can, the more we can put on our players at the younger age groups that that it's about the development, it's about the process. And if you want mm-hmm. longevity in what's a very, very when it, when you look at the grand scheme of things, it's a very short career. Mm-hmm. It I is. Mean, like if, even if you, now I'm just like, wait, where yeah. did it go? <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's just say you start playing competitively at the age of eight or nine years old. Mm-hmm. You stop playing when you're 34, 35 years old. Like you've had a career for, for 20 years, mm-hmm. right? You know, uh, it, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy when you look at it from that standpoint, when you look at the lifespan of a person in general, like, you know, you retire at 34, 35 years old and you're done playing professionally, for example. And now what are you going to do for the rest of the next 35 years, 40 years of your life? <laughs> Oh, true. <laughs> right. Um, but I think the more we can prepare players to to not only prepare them from a career perspective, whether it's in the sport or not in the sport, but also how to deal with um, that self awareness and how do you how do you because ultimately you only there's no there's no playbook on self awareness. I yeah, think it's just sure. practice, right? It's like anything else. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to practice that. And if we practice our first touch, we should be practicing mm-hmm. self awareness. For sure. A hundred percent. Do you feel like at some point, um, you know, down the road, because you're you're a teacher now, so obviously your ability of working with kids is is there. Do you think coaching is in your uh, is in your path at some point? When I first came to Iceland, I was coaching. I had five teams. I was with the youth kids, and I was also a strength coach. And um I started working at a health and fitness preschool and it was like something that I really enjoyed a lot but then I kind of realized that like playing soccer and coaching soccer at the same time was a little bit too much for me and I just was saying like you know I need a break from coaching soccer right now but maybe in the future it would come back up (laughs) (laughs) But at the time, it was definitely too much. Yeah. Just too much soccer. And yeah, I just really needed a different type of balance. That's fair. That's good. But so yeah. now, so now when you, when you take your son to practice, uh, what is, what is that like? What is Sierra as a mom? What is Sierra as a soccer mom? <laughs> well, he, he had his first tournament and it was probably the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life because they all had, no idea what was going on. <laughs> they were just running in mosh pits and kicking each other and running off the field. <laughs> oh, it was hilarious. But I was trying to coach him and try to help him. But then I was like, wait, I'm probably stressing him out. Just leave him be. <laughs> yeah. I think now in his training sessions and stuff, I'm more of just like his cheerleader on yeah. the side. And if he if he wants to go train or do something and I'm like, do you want to try this? And he's like, no. I'm like, Okay, we'll just try yeah. when you're ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's uh that that was my biggest thing. I think when when we had when we had Lila, we had our daughter. My 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 first thing is she wants to play soccer. That's great. Like not a problem. I'll take her. You know, we'll figure it out. 
I, I don't want to coach. Like that's the one thing I yeah. have said that I don't want to coach her. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely don't want to coach my son if he decides to play. Mostly because I, even though I'm going to be coaching high school boys this this fall, I don't particularly coach yeah. boys a whole lot. I, I I focus more on the women's game. Um, yeah. But I have I, like I and in the practices that she's had, she's played in a couple like little like programs and things like that. I have, I think I've paid attention to a little bit of it. And mm-hmm. like for the most part, and Dwayne has seen it. He's, he's been with me there a couple of times. I literally just sit there and like barely like acknowledge the fact that like something's going on. Yeah. <laughs> Mostly because like I don't want to, because I feel like if I do get myself in that situation, like I don't want to put myself in a situation where I'm telling her what she needs to do and all these other things. Yeah. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden now we start down that rabbit hole that I don't want to go down. Exactly. Um, so it's just, yeah, I think it's it's interesting that like, but I feel like kids are funny that way, right? Like my son went to the pool yesterday and my wife told me, he said, uh, right before, um, right before they got in, he said, I'm going to swim today. Um, so my daughter recently learned like how to swim and how to, you know, keep herself afloat and go from one side of the pool to the other. Um, and my son hasn't done that yet. And he's like, I'm going to do it today. And he just started doing it. It's like that's awesome. My dad, my dad looked at my wife and he's like, he just decides he's supposed to swim. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things. Where like he's, oh, like he's probably known it all along. He's probably has all the has been able to realize it a couple a while ago. It's just today he decided he's like, ah, today's the day. Like, and you just can't put the timeline on kids at that point, right? Like you just let them go. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's like with my son Bodic, like with soccer. Like we tried, and he just showed no interest at all. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's like, "Can I go to football?" And we were like, "Wait, what? You want to you want to play?" And he's like, "Yeah, okay." And then we just went to the next training, and then he really enjoyed it. Yeah. So it's like I'm kind of just like you said, just letting him lead, and then just being his cheerleader. I don't want to ruin it for him. Yeah, that's good. Um, all right, doing before we wrap up, do you have any other final questions for Sierra? No, it was definitely interesting to learn more about you new know, kind of life in, in Europe and how it's kind of like that video we talked or I showed you, right? Like there's differences yeah. in the, mm-hmm. the way things are and with on kind of how Europe's more accepting than maybe the US is. Yeah. 20 Definitely. hours of sunlight. Huh? <laughs> 20 hours of sunlight. Well, that too. Right? Yeah. <laughs> can't, can't gonna, keep that. I don't know. It's only 3 o'clock right now. Never mind. So. Uh-huh. Well, whether it's 3 a.m. or 3 p.m., we wouldn't we wouldn't know the difference. Right? Yeah, you wouldn't know the difference. <laughs> you would not know the difference. Well, Sierra, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Um, I'm I'm super excited that that you're continuing to play. I'm super excited that you found a career that you like, that you yes. love, and I'm ex- I'm super excited that you have a family that that you've been able to establish and and. Um, that you're doing what you love. I think that's the that's the best thing, right? That's all we can hope for, especially as coaches when when players um, are are you know you know move on to other things. All we can hope for is that they find happiness and that they find a way to give back to the game to a certain extent. Um, and not only are you giving back with your you know taking your son to soccer practice, which is which is awesome, <laughs> uh, but you're also continuing to to push the envelope and playing and and uh and you're scoring goals which is which is always fun to see so uh, (laughs) huh hopefully i keep scoring more this yeah yeah (laughs) so um so sarah just thanks so much for coming on today we really appreciate it thanks for having me it was really fun i really enjoyed it
Um, Dwayne, let's talk about, let's do a player of the match. Let's go straight into the player of the match. Uh, my player of the match goes out to the Diamonds. Um, again, I said it earlier uh, when we started the episode. Um, it's been a really, really fun season. Um, so I, you know, I want to, I wanted to thank um, you for for taking on a, I think a a bigger role this year. Like without really speaking about it, I felt like you you took a much bigger role, in which I was really cool with, and was really excited. So thank you um thanks to all of our training players thanks to all of our players um thanks to our stats keepers that have come out our ball runners thank you to our significant others for allowing us to to continue to do this for three years because it's a lot of time that we that we put into it um so our families deserve a lot of credit um and thank you for to sporting for for kind of agreeing to do this and providing the support um in the facilities and things like that. So, you know, thanks, thanks to all the people there. Um, but overall, you know, it's been, it's been fun and I'm looking forward to, to seeing what's next with the diamonds. So. Mine's more soccer related. That's fine. Like, Go for it. Who's your player of the match? Well, it was going to be Jesus Pereira. Um, thought he did a fantastic job um, in the gold cup as a whole. Yeah, just, the, don't, just don't let him. Just don't let him. Just don't let him. Until he hit that PK. Until yeah. he hit that PK. <laughs> he's a he's a um, he's a within a run of play kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. But BJ, uh, BJ, Clanahan, Clanahan, Callahan? did a great job. Callahan, Callahan, Callahan. <laughs> something like that. Something like that. The former U.S. men's national team interim coach. Yep. I'm assuming that Greg Berhalter is probably. Back in the fold now. Yeah, he's got his Jordans on. He's ready to go. Um, for holding it down um, with the U.S. men's national team, um, having a fantastic record. I mean, that, that Panama game was the only game he lost. He lost in PKs. Um, yeah. So well, doing a fantastic job. Almost lost to Canada. He won in PKs. Yeah. So, but doing a great job, you know, you know, stepping in, you know, for the summer. You know, building those two teams and and you know getting the best out of them. Um, which the Gold Cup was a topic of discussion. I know we were sending texts back and forth. You were um, for the. the we can break it down next week. We can break it down next. Break week. it down next week. You can call our uh, U.S. Men's National Team correspondent in. Yeah. See if he's we unpacked. Could, yeah, we could do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, it's a good idea. See if he's unpacked or has Wi-Fi or. Yeah, he's got it all set up. He's ready to go. <laughs> Yeah, you might have dial up. Maybe <laughs> yelling at his kids, get off the phone. <laughs> the internet's going out. <laughs> um, but no, I think I think um he did a great job. Not that I think that any of those players did it did anything to get into the top group that weren't already in the top group. I don't think anybody really made an impact, but it's a good stepping stone, I think, for those players for the Olympics next year. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I don't, do, do they have a different coach for the? They use the U twenty three coach for the Olympics. I'm assuming. Yeah, usually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, usually. Maybe that'll be uh, BJ. Huh? Maybe that'll be BJ. Maybe. Um. All right. <clears throat> On this day in soccer history, July fourteenth, two thousand and six. Uh. So doing two thousand and six. Uh. World Cup year won by. Um. Italy. Yeah. Italy. Yep. 
Italy. Beat Gianluigi and them boys. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. All right. So five days after the World Cup final, after Italy beats France, um, Italy headbutt it. <clears throat> headbutt it. Yeah. Well, um, Calciopoli happened five days after, which is I mean in uh, English, which is one of the biggest scandals in referee match fixing ever. <clears throat> and at the center of it, Italian football. Um, so all this was happening in 2004, 2005, and 2005, and 2006. So punishments were handed down July 14th. Um, the biggest punishment came to, to Juventus, who was relegated automatically and stripped of their title um, that they had won back-to-back. Um, so relegated to, to Serie B uh, for the 06-07 campaign. Um, a 30 point deduction um, already like basically you're starting the season as negative 30 um, that was then reduced to to nine points after an appeal um, Fiorentina and Lazio were supposed to be relegated but that was overturned with an appeal um, and then but they ended up with uh, points deductions fines and some of their, their fields got closed alongside AC Milan and Regina. So basically what it comes down to is let the players play and don't try to let them kick the ball on the goal and you don't kick the ball on the goal for them. Yeah. And if you're going to and if you're going to if you're going to take part in betting um take part in betting for the fun of the bet and the sense that like you might win or you might lose. And that's it. <clears throat> it's um, luck at that point. Um, my advice to everybody that bets, take the union tomorrow at home. Union tomorrow at home against NYCFC. Even though they're going to be without Julian Carranza, who got probably the most controversial red card in the history of controversial red cards. (laughs) Yeah, he didn't really do anything. He got red carded. He got, he got assaulted. He got red carded. Yeah. We're getting assaulted. Um, all right. The Dan Simmons Fair Play of the Week Award. Um, mine goes out to Deli Alley. Um, so Deli Alley, huh? Who? Deli Alley, man. That guy? Yes, that guy. Um Wonder Kid. The Wonder Kid himself. Um so uh Deli Alley um had a spoke out with Gary Neville. Um on the overlap podcast, um, which is done by sky sports. Um, so basically he spoke about the fact that he's been, he's been at rehab in the U S for the last few months. Um, he's talked about some, some sexual, uh, assaults that he's, he's been, he's experienced in, in his youth, uh, to the point of like dealing drugs, um, and things like that. Uh, to then the the sleeping pill addiction that he developed as an adult, um, and that's a lot of his struggles came from that and alcohol abuse. Um, it was just really interesting to to hear all that and hear him speak out about speak up about it. And you know, we talk about mental health and and getting help and things like that on this podcast. And I think, um, him coming out in front of it or in front of people and basically showing that vulnerability, which isn't easy for anybody. Um, 
I think it's uh um I think it's it's important. I think it continues the conversation. Um and I think hopefully it gets more more resources behind the game for it. Um if you haven't listened to the interview, I, I you know, I advise let's go look it up on YouTube. It's it's around there somewhere. It's like 45 minutes long. It's really really interesting. Um and we're talking about a player that's still only 27 years old. Yeah, I think for him I mean, if he's in the U.S., I think that's a probably a good solid landing spot for him. If, if he's getting the treatment there, it kind of gets you out of your environment in Europe. Yeah. But I think for him, it probably gives him stability in terms of, like, he's been on a lot of teams in a lot of tough couple of years. I mean, he was the guy, he was supposed to be the guy at Tottenham and the English national team to Everton. And then he was in, like, Turkey and like, yeah. all those other places. So maybe the MLS is just the spot for him. And takes well, he's not going to be playing in the MLS. I think you should, man. I think it takes him out of that spotlight. You know what I mean? Like, hey, you're you're an impact player, but you're not. I mean, I think maybe the spotlight got too big for him. It was almost like the Bohan Kirkic effect. Yeah. Where it was too much pressure, the spotlight was too big, and then Bohan came over to MLS. Nobody, you know, if you're a dog, you know who Bohan was. Yeah. Um, But I believe Deli Ali is a free agent. Hey. No, he's not. With Everton, yeah, he still has a contract. Everton. Released, uh, he was just released from his loan. Yeah, yeah, he was released from Besiktas. So he's, uh, no, he's still, he's still in the Premier League. Um, you know, he'll be playing at Everton, um, which almost was relegated last year. Um, I got a, I got a deal for Everton right now. Good chance for a deal on the table <laughs> right here. Okay. Tiago Almada for Dele Alli. Straight yeah. swap. Straight swap. I don't think that they're going to do that, but. Why not? You get a dog. Y- yeah. Um, but so, I mean, in the interview, uh, Delhi talks about the fact that he wants to come back better than he was before. Um, so. MLS, brother. Hire me as your agent. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, I mean, it'll be, so it'll be interesting. So, uh, big, you know, um, my my favorite player week goes out to him for for speaking a lot about his troubles and the recovery that he's gotten and um so yeah so um who's your fair play of the week uh my fair play of the week goes out to andre blake for uh match fixing against mexico because he knew that the uh union were going to need him for a big game on saturday there's no way he's coming back and playing tomorrow is he well, wouldn't he because he just finished like- playing Okay, so he played 90 minutes, right? But yeah. his recovery in 90 minutes is a lot easier than being on the field and running around for 90 minutes. Yeah, I mean if they had made the final, if it, if they had made the final, he would have played anyway, right? Yeah. Um nah, I'm just kidding, that's not really my favorite play. <laughs> Who's your favorite play? But I thought that would I thought that pretty well with the whole yeah. um match fixing. Um, no, my favorite player of the week is going to go out to um, my man, Anthony Smith. Um, he is a police officer for Dover Police Department. Great event yesterday. Day in the boots. Um, basically, all emergency services, police, ambulatory, paramedics, uh, fire. Do a great event um, at the fire school down here in uh, Dover. 
Um, so he invited us out and I say, listen, you do a lot for my program. So the least I can do is show some love, bring a hundred kids out there and they enjoyed themselves. Great lunch. Like it was just an all out great event. Nice. We'll have to get you to bring your kids out next year. Um, right. It's it, like, it, it's really like hands on great event for them. Yeah. I like that. That's good. I mean, that's, that's important. Safety is, is critical. And the more kids can, can get that in their community, the better. Right. I mean, listen, we, we had, you literally have kids putting out fire with a fire hose. Why? That's cool. Like that, like that's cool. That's and actually they, cool. And the Air Force Base, like another cool thing is the Air Force Base has this, uh, they converted like a camping trailer and they can go in there, they fill it up with like fake smoke and you have to figure out how to escape the trailer. Like if you're oh, I like up that. With smoke. Yeah. So there's like an upstairs and a downstairs. So it's pretty that's cool. That's cool. Nice. Right. Awesome stuff. That's cool. Yeah. Good stuff. Good. Well, well done. Outside the game, outside the game of soccer, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um, well, next week we're going to talk about. So next week on the on the podcast, we'll talk about the Gold Cup. We'll have the start of the Women's World Cup. Well, we're going we're gonna to have to figure out Friday is that thing up at Philly, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we also have a coaching thing that we're doing potentially in Philly that we got to figure out what's going to happen with. Um, and then at the same time, uh, Messi's getting his uh, his like welcome, like official welcome, on Sunday. Um, Isn't he supposed to debut next Friday, the twenty first. Yes, he is also supposed to do that. So he's already training. He's he's he hasn't signed his contract yet, but he is training. By the way, I did find out um, Jordi Alba is not taking a DP spot. What's he taking? He's just taking a salary like within the cap. Okay. So they are actually not going to fill all three DP spots. Is Messi? Can, I'm wondering if Messi is actually considered a DP, or is he considered like MLS? It's like, well, we'll just take care of. Uh, I don't know, but but I do know that Jordy's not taking a DP spot. They're waiting for I think um, uh, Pizarro is supposed to either not take a DP spot anymore or get traded or something like that. And then they're actually not taking on that third DP spot because their thought process is Luis Suarez is coming in December. Yeah, they they somebody they David Beckham's a smart man. He paid he paid a, whoever his lawyer is. Yeah. That read the rules <laughs> and finessed all this, read the rules and finessed all this. The question becomes Right, he's doing a fan. I'm not saying this is anything wrong, but can't does this start like a trickle down effect where other wealthy MLS owners start to to you know bend the rules, walk that fine line, and it hurts teams like the Philadelphia Union, or like these teams that are not as wealthy. Yes and no, because I feel like you're increasing the level of play. Right. Which is which is the idea, right? They want the MLS to not be a retirement league. Right. They want players to come in at their prime and and all these things. Um and I think <clears throat> I think Inter Miami in the state stat status that they're in from a table perspective, and you're adding in a um a Jordi Alba and a Busquez and a Messi on top of what you have, you're those three players are not close to retirement yet. 
Well, they don't have anything. <laughs> in the league. Yeah, but um, but so now you're bringing in players that are going to be impact players that are going to make the league better and the players around them better. So, so yeah, no, this will force institutions like the Philadelphia Union and their model of growing from within and finding players that maybe struggle in places and things like that and not making these like big name signings to just be better. Like, and I'm not saying now you have to go out and, you know, break the piggy bank open and, and buy and find new players or bring a big name or something like that. You can still develop from within, but within that development comes growth, right? And you want to grow your players. So that means that you're, you're, you're going to have to restructure or you figure out if your youth academy is able to then withstand the future of the MLS. And are you going to be able to have the players in the future coming from your youth academy? And if the or answer realistic. is yes, then fantastic, fantastic. Well, the answer is yes, that's ideally what you want to do. But at the same time, when you talk about a Suarez, Busquets, all those players came from different youth academies and they aren't like they're roughly the same age, but it's not like they said, oh, great, the 2005s, we have four generational talents on this team. Right. Are they going to be realistically be able to, they're going to put kids into the, the first team, but are they going to be able to impact that team? You know, there's kids that impact the team. I mean, you you have a yes. I mean, I I think so. I think you're gonna have to find a way, right? Like you're gonna have to find a way to to survive. And the answer can't be let me find a 35 year old. Um, not for every club, at least, yeah. right? Well, they did try to sign that 17 year old from Louisville City FC, and he going to Europe. There you go. Right. So now now that pushes the envelope to keep players from going to Europe. To then stay here because you're getting the development that you need and the competition level around you has gotten better. So maybe that's what it is, right? And that's how the league competes. That's how the league grows in general. So we well, do the Freddie Adu, you find yourself a 20 year old and tell him he's 14. There you go. You can do that too. <laughs> um, um, all right. Well, thanks for joining us this week. And remember, always receive the ball on your front foot. <laughs>